Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Ami Eubanks-Davis, who is the founder and CEO of Braven. Hello, Ami. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. I'm great. Yeah, very excited to get started. But before we do so, I would love for our audience to learn a little bit more from you. So if you wouldn't mind, can you share some more information about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I grew up in Chicago in low-income neighborhoods, had very hardworking parents who were trying to put myself and their three other children, so there are four of us, on the path to you know stronger economic mobility. And they happened to purchase a piece of property when I was four. And by the time I was 14, that property where it sat was in a neighborhood that actually started to gentrify. And so my older sister and myself in particular really got to experience what it meant to be economically mobile in a pretty short amount of time. And as a result, I like wanted to pay it forward into the Black community because those are the communities I was growing up in. So I decided to do that through teaching, through an organization called Teach for America, and basically ended up in New Orleans, Louisiana. I fell in love with a group of sixth graders. Um, and their families in that community and lived there for seven years, watched them keep growing up and other groups of students after them as I then ran a nonprofit in New Orleans, but also continued to teach um, as a result. And uh, then all of a sudden that first group goes off to college and is on their way. And then this storm, this little storm, not unfortunately, called Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans the same year that they were graduating from college if they decided to go. And that was really where the Braven idea started to really come together And that after the storm hit, they were going to graduate in that May. So they were the storm hit in August. They were graduating the next May. And many of them had done everything right. They were living in new cities, Atlanta, Houston, here in Chicago, um, but actually struggling as they were thinking about what was going to come next after college. And it didn't have very much to do with New Orleans being underwater. Um, and so I just really got concerned about what was happening in the higher education space for students who are first in their families to go to college on the Pell Grant. And were they actually coming out and earning at their full level of earning potential? And what we started to realize over time was that they weren't. And that's how Braven started to come to life. Incredible story. Thank you for sharing. Obviously, a hugely important mission. And that's kind of where I want to go next is how would you describe the Braven mission for anyone who's unfamiliar with the organization? Yeah. So the Braven mission is all about how do you get underrepresented young people, young people from low income backgrounds um, into the labor market strong um, and coming out of higher education and earning an entire dollar instead of instead of 66 cents on the dollar. Um, and so what that looks like in practice is that we focus on higher education institutions by and large that serve large numbers of Pell eligible students which means that their families are making anywhere between fifty dollars and $70,000 or less um, for a family of four when they enter college. Um, and they are doing everything right to get through higher ed, um, but they aren't quite coming out on the back end strong. And so we partner inside of higher education to run a course, a three-unit course. Students are often in their sophomore years, their junior years, or they're transferring in from community college as transfer juniors. Um, and it is something that really matters because many, many of the students, not all, but most of them are going to work full time. They're going to school full time. They actually don't have the time to really get prepared for the workforce after. After they take the course, we continue to partner with them and their institutions for another two and a half years until that young person comes out and actually earns that entire dollar. 
And we use um, a very big volunteer force who help coach the students of in cohorts of five to eight when they're in the course from the professional workforce. So these are folks who work in nonprofits or governments or for-profit companies. Um, and then they also, we partner with companies to give one-to-one -one, um, time with a student who's in their second semester junior year and is like, I don't know what I'm gonna do still to do a professional mentorship or the companies allow us to bring students on their campuses to do career exploration. So it's a very big partnership model, not only within higher education where we have eight schools actually, now in the portfolio working with us, um, and we have 77 employer partners. So we kind of create this bridge between the two. I love the mission of the organization. Anything that is preparing folks for a successful career or anything they can, they can use to leverage in order to be more successful in their career is always so impactful, which is really where I want to go next. And I want to ask you both the question in terms of what impact means to you and how Braven as an organization focuses on impact and what, you know, does impact mean for your clients? Yeah, sure. So for me, impact is the reason that we exist. <laughs> I had an amazing career before Braven, um, you know, in the K-12 sector. I spent eight of my 13 years at Teach for America on the senior team the entire time, but for eight of those years, actually overseeing all of the people work. Um, so really thinking about the staff experience, but also um, I ended up doing a lot of work around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also in the world of public affairs and marketing and communications. Um, and basically, what I learned over time is that if we couldn't see our former students coming and thriving and working at a place like Teach for America and a bunch of other great, whether those are nonprofits, for-profits or in government um, type roles, then I didn't know what in the world we were all doing for so many years, um, like really trying to help this group of incredible young people through the K-12 system come into higher ed in whatever form that they wanted to come into that in, whether that was like through certificate programs or through community college or through a four-year experience. Um, or deciding to go right from high school to work, but that the whole point was so that they could have choices in terms of where um, their incomes came from and really choices in terms of being able to earn more money than their parents in most cases, which is what it means to be on the path of the American dream. And so Braven really has one outcome that we care the most about is do our students come out of their higher education institutions and earn an entire dollar instead of anything shy of that. And so depending on what's happening in the economy, it's kind of like the weather um, in Chicago where it's springtime. So who knows, it could be snowing one day and 80 degrees <laughs> the next day. Um, we have a range. So uh, when it's a chillier economic market, we've been 14 percentage points above the national average for our students doing that. When it's actually a warmer economic market, they've been as high as 23 percentage points above the national average for doing that. Our students, by and large, especially more recently, are all employed to the degree of like 95% of them are all employed. But we really are looking for that full quality employment, which means that it is worthy of the bachelor's degree, that there are health and wealth benefits. So they get a 401k, they get access to strong benefits, uh, that there's learning and development in their role. And then finally, that there's a pathway to promotion in their role as well. And so... Um, we really want to make sure that students have that kind of an economic opportunity, because if they don't, then there's a scarring effect on the back end, which means that they will never actually earn what their higher income peers earn. And sometimes they could actually under earn a young person from a high income family with a high school diploma, 
which just doesn't seem like what we've said would happen as a result of working hard and doing everything you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have real opportunities on the back end of that. Um, and so that's what we measure ourselves against. There's some other leading indicators that we pay attention to. Um, we're really proud that 75% of our students out earn their parents in five semesters. Um, so we're very data and impact focused. Love that, And that's kind of where I was going to go next is I love the numbers, the statistics, the data-driven aspect that you're kind of describing here as well, too, because that's kind of what I was going to get into. And I think you've already given examples of these. I'd be curious to learn from you, like, what are the key metrics that you're regularly focusing on in order to ensure how you're measuring impact or essentially those achieving those successful outcomes for your clients? Yeah. So there are four indicators that we think are early indicators of whether or not a student is going to come out strong. Um, and actually, we pay attention to these four very, very closely. The first is actually around how are they doing in the course itself? The course is very rigorous. We're a bunch of former teachers and talent nerds. Um, and so we know what rigor looks like. We know uh, what a high bar looks like. And that's one of the points is actually to put the students in a rigorous environment to make sure that they truly are prepared to hit internship interviews and then full-time interviews um, well. So not just in a in the terms of like doing the actual interview, but also all of the documents and materials that are required leading up to that. A LinkedIn profile, a resume, cover letter writing. Do you know how to do those things? Have you built a network of people who will be your references, et cetera? And so the first bucket is actually around, are you mastering the content of the course? Um, and we're very, very transparent with students where we say, this is going to get you an A on this artifact, like a cover letter, and this is what will get you a C on that. And if a student is progressing not in the strong category of getting at least a B, ideally an A, we're actually concerned because we know what are the artifacts that need to be in place. And honestly, what does the preparation need to look like? The second bucket is around um, five different non-cognitive skill area developments around Growth mindset, perseverance, which sometimes get called gets called grit. I like perseverance better. Um, and then also a sense of academic and social fit. Like, are you actually kind of vibing into your campus, whether you're a commuter student or whether you're a residential student? Like, actually, are you actually fitting in somehow on the campus? And when we're looking at that really from like a leadership standpoint, even if you're going to work full time and school full time, are you doing some things on the campus that connect you into your professors and to other people? Again, we're thinking networks, we're thinking references. And then these two other last bucket areas around job search, self-efficacy and career efficacy. And basically, are you going through the process of getting a job? And that is the big thing that we realized was missing for this group of students. There are a lot of assumptions being made, myself including, that just as long as you're in higher ed, you're going to come out strong. That is not the case. Like, you actually have to get ready to come out strong. And if you don't have parents and friends at your living room table, at your dining room table, or at your kitchen table, or at your living room you know, armchair giving you this advice and getting you ready, then you're actually not getting ready. And people don't know that. Um and then the final two buckets are internships. How many have you had or not had? Because if you haven't had at least one, ideally two, by second semester junior year, you're actually not on track. Your network, which is the final bucket of a leading indicator, is not strong enough. Because actually, when you're able to get a high-quality internship in your field of interest, in which you get paid, um, but you're usually able to also develop a more significant network around yourself. And that really matters. So those are the four leading indicators that we're looking at before we even look at, like, are you going to come out strong? We have a sense of, are you on track to come out strong or not? 
love the data-driven approach. I'm a huge tech software and data geek myself as well too. So data-driven approaches are fascinating and I'm loving seeing all the amazing work in the impact world related to it. So thank you for sharing that as well too. So shifting gears from here, where I'd love to go next is to talk more about what scaling looks like for your organization, what your plans are there, what does impact at a greater level related to your program look like and about kind of what's being invested into there in order to enable that. Yeah. So like I said earlier, I'm a former teacher, a bunch of us here are, and a talent nerd. And so I really do believe in what happens and the magic of what can happen in a classroom. Um, And when I say a classroom, truly an in-person classroom. And I know the pandemic allowed us to see that we could do all sorts of things, including on Zoom, including learning on Zoom. And that said, as a longtime educator, as now a mom of three kids, there still is something that you get out of a small environment in which people really get to know you, ideally in person. But that's not always the ideal. And so one of the things that we learned pretty early on at Braven as we started to scale was that we started with 17 students at San Jose State. Then there were 50 students. And all of a sudden, there were 100 students. We actually did need a significant platform in which to deliver a lot of the content and content that could be done by students in advance to self-pace through. How do you do a resume? What does that really look like? Why should it not be four pages long? (laughs) Um, And giving them content and information in bite-sized chunks, but also in dynamic chunks that they could actually consume before they hit the two-hour learning lab, which is really the lecture, but instead of it being a lecture hall of 50 students or 100 students or 500 students, they're in a cohort of five to eight students with this coach from the professional workforce. And basically that now happens in person like it did before the pandemic in all cases or now on Zoom. Um, But we do want to make sure that those cohorts are really tight and tight knit because actually I often say it's not just who you know, but it's who knows you that matters mightily. And for this group of students, often they do not know people and people do not know them in the professional workforce. And so that said, it means that the Braven model has always had this significant platform that allows us to deliver now to, we've worked with over 7,000 students um, and we will continue to grow. And I'll talk about that in a second, Um, but to do that pretty seamlessly and easily. um, But then also whether it's in person or on Zoom, we're now able to create an experience that's still very personalized and in an experience where every single cohort member is well-known by their coach, is well-known by their other cohort members, even if they're sitting in a course technically that is 200 students or so um, when it comes to like the actual mechanics behind the course, being a course at a school like San Jose State or uh, City College in New York or at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, which is the number one HBCU in the country where every single Spelman woman in her sophomore year takes the Braven experience as a part of her Spelman experience. And so that said, there are other, as you can imagine, uh, technology platforms that plug in because for every thousand students in the model at a time, there are 17,000 volunteer hours that come in. And so we have a big machine around how do we not only attract and also train those volunteers, but also how do we make sure that when students need a one-to-one mentor, we can do that very easily and very seamlessly. So from using Canvas by infrastructure for that online learning platform or using Salesforce to make sure that we can keep up with all of our volunteers and what they're interested in doing, um, to using Paul's tricks at times to give us what we need on the data front, 
Um, and I'm sure I'm missing some other platforms that are super important in the world of Braven. But we have a real technology team. We've always had a chief technology officer. We have like real software engineers that could be software engineers anywhere. Um, and we take that part of our work very, very, very seriously because it's what allows us to scale. And so what our hope is on the scale front is to go from the 7,000 students in the world of the Braven experience at this point to upwards of 80 to 100,000 students in the Braven experience at a time, um, because we just know that the need is that that great. Um, some of our schools will have 8,000 incredible students in them and one person in career services, whereas the most what I want when I say the word elite, I mean elite from a resource standpoint. Schools in this country, like University of Chicago, that has about a $10 billion endowment, Meredith Daw and the team at UChicago have been hugely helpful on the career advancement side in terms of helping us understand how they build career advancement with those kinds of resources for 7,000 of the most amazing students in the country who mainly come from top quartile earning families. She has 50 people on her career services team, another 100 people who will do one-to-one -one advising for students. Um, and for our schools that we work with, you know, there's one person in career services to the max of maybe 10 on a good day at a large state school like a San Jose State that's got 26,000 undergrads, maybe 30,000 people that career services is responsible for when you include the grad students. And so Braven really had to think a lot about being a scale model in the role that technology and using technology in a smart way could really help us do that while not losing the personalization. It's fascinating. Super interested to see that take place as well, too. It sounded like in there, as you were just talking about the numbers, there is a 10x effect in terms of who's the, like how, whom, how many people you're able to bring the services to today versus what you'd like to get it to. And enabling tech and software are some of the best ways to increase leverage without significantly increasing your budget, enabling the organization to reach more people uh, efficiently and effectively. My question for you is going to be, what, if anything, is kind of standing in your way of the organization getting there? Like what needs to be done? What are the bottlenecks in that process? And how are you approaching any of that so far? Yeah. So I think like any organization that is growing and scaling and needing to use technology in really critical ways, you get to, you know, 17 students and you're doing one thing like using, you know, not even Google Docs, like using like you're like emailing documents out to students and coaches, et cetera. Then you go and you're like, okay, we're at 50 people, 100 students. Oh, we're now on Google Docs. Um, and we think we're doing something there. And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> it's breaking. And you're like, oh, we can't, this cannot be the solution. So then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we have like a thousand students. We need to use Canvas by infrastructure. We need something else, a platform that is gonna help us scale at that level. Um, and then all of a sudden a pandemic hits, thank God, we were already on Zoom in various different ways. Um, so we knew how to use Zoom well across four different um, campuses where we were at the time. But every single time you like grow or something comes, you have to then reshift. And so we're in one of those growth modes right now. And I will say the big bottleneck for us is how do you make sure that all of the platforms that you're using and all the data infrastructure that you're using, et cetera, can actually connect into each other and talk to each other in really smart ways and into the university and colleges that we work with. So it's not just what happens in the world of the Braven experience, but also how do we then connect into the colleges in a smart way to make sure it's a seamless experience for the students 
Um, also, again, with the number of volunteers that we have coming through the Braven experience, like making sure that it's seamless on their end. And honestly, when we have certain volunteers working at, I'm just going to use banks, for example, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can't get through your firewall to make sure that you can use the Zoom link in order to coach this team of five to eight students through this experience. And so just going through those moments are just real for us. And so we're in a significant step back around how do we like redesign some of our processes on the infrastructure side to make sure that they are as seamless as possible. Um, you know, we are very committed to a high quality experience for our students and for the volunteers. But on the Braven end, at moments, it's like, you know, the duck and, and, and the ducklings in the pond of water with like the feet going underneath the water really fast while it looks like they're like smooth sailing across the pond. That's us. I mean, there's lots of at moments where like there's lots of bubble gum and gut, duct tape at the moment. Um, and so we're having to really make major investments. We are going to have to build out even more so our technology infrastructure team on the data infrastructure side of that team, on the software engineering side of that team, um, the amount of data that we are able to collect to help students make good choices to help their schools know where they are is incredible, but you have to have the infrastructure right. And so making sure that we do all that well is, you know, top of mind for us. As is another thing that I actually think is probably one of the biggest gating factors to our continuing to grow and scale, which is continue to have really strong, seamless partnerships with colleges and universities where people really get that Braven is just a part of the school. We're just a part of the school and a part of the school helping it meet its mission by students in terms of bringing them in and being accessible, but also getting them out and completing, and then honestly completing strong. Um, and there definitely can be that we have seen schools completely like innovate around this and really trust us because we go slow to go fast in the world of schools um, around the credits themselves. And how do you make sure that we are not doing anything that is at all saying that we don't believe because I deeply believe in higher ed, that can be a whole nother podcast um, that would signal that we don't believe in the importance of higher education in general. I believe in being a history major. That's what I was. And, you know, I believe in being a computer science major. That's what our head of technology was. I believe that you can have all those things uh, in your higher ed experience and that that's all good. I don't think there's a one size fits all approach there. But that I will say is often the, the interesting bottleneck that I think is harder for people to have is how do we actually fit in in a cohesive way into the scope and sequence of a college. Um, and then finally, I will say often what keeps me up at night, though, I think we will get around this, is that what it takes to run Braven is an enormous volunteer force. I cannot talk enough about our incredible employer partners and the volunteers that come in for 60 to 80 hours of time when they're coaching a team is a lot. Um, but it's a straight up skilled volunteering role. People to walk away saying, oh, my gosh, I have like learned how to lead and how to manage in a different way and a diverse team. And whether we like it or not, I know I don't like it on most days. Every time there's a new graduating class, that means we're looking at the next generation coming into the workforce. And you can get a lot of insights from coaching at Braven in terms of what this next generation of, of workers is going to look like and expect, um, et cetera. And so those are some of the things that really we think a lot about in terms of our data infrastructure, our technology infrastructure, but also honestly, just the people that it takes to run something like Braven, especially as we scale. Sounds like very exciting plans. Um, I can't wait to see that materialize as well also. And I'm also very familiar with the number of the bottlenecks that you reference, right? It's good and bad, as in we're making good progress, but we keep hitting, we need something to prepare us for the next level. 
that's a lot of the work that I do in partnering with nonprofits, helping them figure out hey, where does it make the, the most sense? Where does the dollar go the furthest for us if we make investments in technology or software to help us with that effort of scaling? Because for sure, I mean, reaching anywhere near something like a 10x effect is just remarkable, right? To bring that much more value to that many people. So excited about uh, the, the significant potential there. Uh, Ami, thank you so much for being here, sharing your incredible insight, your amazing mission and the organization's accomplishments, uh, which we're all so excited to kind of see how that materializes from here. And before I let you go, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask more about what you just started talking about toward the end there, which is how can more people get involved? Like, who are you looking for to get involved? Um, how can they find, how can they learn more? Where can they go to learn more about the organization, get involved for whatever uh, the organization may need in terms of support? Absolutely. So, you know, I often say that truly it is the power of one. Like, I think people believe at moments that to volunteer or to make a commitment to a young person is just so significant. Like I just can't find the time and I get it. People are busy. I really do. And yet one person can do a mock interview for two hours um, during the semester at one of our campuses and actually make a real connection with a student that actually could help the student see where they might go next or where that volunteers like, oh my gosh, this young person is completely great my cousin runs this other company or is in the government and works on this issue area that they're interested in. And I can just make a quick LinkedIn connection. Um, and so the power of one is really real in our world, whether that's you're a two hour mock interviewer, or you decide to take on a bigger commitment and to really shepherd a student for a six month time period once a week, where you really help that student who is like, a little bit like most of us are at some point in our lives, a little lost about what one might do with themselves next. And we're really good about creating a template that the volunteer walks through, that the student is walking through to make sure that they're all spending their time well in terms of being a professional mentor. And how do you come out of that experience with the student really pointed in a strong direction next? Um, and so that's a little bit more time. And then clearly there's the be a leadership coach, dedicate, you know, 60 to 80 hours a, a week, I mean, a, over a semester. And you know what, get your own professional development as well. Like truly learn how to lead and manage a diverse team. We have some of our um, volunteers from certain corporate partners in particular, where actually being a leadership coach is a complete part of their professional development experience. They get selected to be a leadership coach. Um, it goes into the world of their performance reviews in terms of them taking seriously how to learn how to lead and manage a diverse team and honestly how to be a great steward for their company of not only their company's resources, but what their company stands for from a social impact standpoint. Um, and so there are various ways. Or if you want to say, look, I'd love for my company to host a capstone project for the Braven Fellows or to have Braven Fellows out on our campus, whether that's in person or virtually, so that they understand our business and how it works. Um, any of those ways are just fantastic ways to get involved. And you can just go to bebraven.org um, and click on volunteers and you'll see all of this <laughs> come to you. So it's pretty easy. Um, and, you know, Sean, I just want to thank you because I think this is how the word about Braven gets out. 
Uh, we've been a small, at moments, fledgling nonprofit. We were the first nonprofit to really come in this space of college to career. I did not realize we were innovating. That was not my intent to innovate. Um, but it's taken a while where we were on a convince campaign where a lot of people, myself included, thought this group of young people was just fine um, as long as they went through higher ed. And it wasn't the case. And so I just want to thank you, too, because this is how the word of Braven gets out. Um, so I really appreciate you having me on. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Of course, and absolutely. You have a very important story to tell. You do an excellent job telling it. So my job is easy, uh, sharing the cool story. This is something that everyone should know about. And for anyone that has an interest in getting involved, I strongly encourage you to go to bebraven.org, figure out how you can contribute, help fulfill this mission, help us reach greater scale from here. So Ami, the only other question I have for you is, is there any contact information you want to share for folks that may want to reach out to you? As in, is there anyone that should be looking to reach out to you? And if so, how should they? Yeah. So I think there are a few different types of people who I find reach out to me um, that I'm always like super excited to engage with. One is actually people in the world of education and um, people who are trying to figure out how to create an experience, especially if you've been on the teaching side of things that is still personalized, even if it has a large technology component. Um, you heard me say like, look, I get it. Like I taught you know, in a classroom of 32 kids every day and 64 in total uh, over the course of a year. And I get the skepticism by educators around technology and what technology can and cannot do. And I think there's a lot more that we could be doing in education to use technology to scale while not losing personalization. Um, and honestly, uh, one of the reasons I feel very passionate about this is sometimes I fear that people go to personalization and or to like lighter touch things for low income students first. Um, and if you really look at what high income students are getting, it is a very much an in-person, very robust uh, experience. And so that's the first bucket of people when you're like trying to figure that out and how to do that and do that well. Um, I'm super interested. Two are actually people who are unexpected entrepreneurs like myself. I never expected to build something. That was not what I was planning to do. I saw a problem based on data. Um, like I said, I ran the human capital shop at Teach for America for eight of the 13 years. I saw 50,000 incredible young people applying every year to get into Teach for America on the core side or on the teaching side. And then I saw another 30,000 people applying to our staff. And when you look at 80,000 data points over the course of eight years and you're looking at these patterns around people identifying as um, first generation college going Pell eligible or from underrepresented uh, minority backgrounds and not really matriculating strong in the process, you just just you get real pattern recognition that something's not right. So the unexpected entrepreneur is someone I like to talk to because sometimes you just have data and information that you don't realize you have from just doing a job that you've been doing. And then the final bucket of people that I'm always interested in talking to, and I think sometimes I can give good guidance to, are people who are women founders or people of color founders, whether it's on the for-profit side or on the nonprofit side. There is not the same level of resource allocation that often comes in our directions, at least initially. And so another part of the Convince campaign, I think for Braven, I had to walk through was people trusting me as an entrepreneur 
um, and saying, you know, we should make significant investments in this person and in this organization and honestly defy some of the reality in that I don't look like most people's who give us money and we're so thankful for our donor partners, their, you know, daughters or sons or, you know, godchildren or nieces and nephews. Um, so those are three buckets. LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch with me. Um, I do check my LinkedIn and I'm super open to connecting with people. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ami. And absolutely anyone that's listening fits any of those categories, please, I'd encourage you to reach out to the organization or Ami to learn more about how you can help grow the impact from here. Thank you so much for being here, Ami. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scaling Impact. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you'd like to learn how to scale impact at your nonprofit organization by more than double in less than half the time, I'd encourage you to sign up for my free five-day email course at nextstep.io forward slash impact. That's nextstep.io, nxtstep.io forward slash impact.